0: Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to an intra-week episode of the Chainergy Coffee Company podcast. The topic of the day is ESG investing, <clears throat> environmental, social, and governance investing, also known as sustainable investing. Now, I always had a certain interest in the te- in the topics of sustainability, more as a citizen than as an employee, as a worker, as a finance person. And actually, one of the criteria under which the coffee company was born was to put uh, sustainability into practice, <clears throat> meaning uh, only buy directly from farmers, try to weigh a fair price, and try to put into action my ideas on reducing uh, the carbon footprints uh, and in general the negative externality of my business. Uh, And I have to say that uh, I'm always a bit uh, suspicious when it comes to big financial institutions touting out their ESG investment products, green bonds, green investing, because most of the times, (coughs) as a matter of fact, these kind of uh, investment products or investment strategy come uh, at a premium compared to the normal uh, non-ethical investment structures and yet uh, the, the problem is <coughs> that uh, you know there is this old way of proverb that says putting feathers up your backside is not going to turn you into a chicken it's not that if you say that you are sustainable that makes you sustainable if you are green that makes you green and uh, it's very easy to deceive uh, well-meaning customers into paying some more for something that at the end of the day is just the same old stuff, just dressed in a different way. Am I in banking bashing mood? Uh, no, but as a citizen and as a father, I would like that. Uh, rather than talking about green investing, we really have the, the ability to see how green investing works. Um, <clears throat> and what is one of the main issues in uh, assessing uh, the viability of a green investment product? One of the main issues is to understand uh, the metrics. <clears throat> For example, let's talk about the financial numbers that within in a business. For that we have accounting standards. Accounting, stan- accounting standards, a set of rules <coughs> that define a common framework under which we measure the performance of a business. And hence, if we read the numbers of company A and the numbers of company B, they are comparable. Company A makes 1 million, company B makes 2 million, company B makes a better profit. Simple, right? Yet, even in the world <coughs> of accounting standards, there is a lot of diversity. There are national accounting standards, international accounting standards, and then there are a US GAAP. And yes, US GAAP and IFRS, which is the international accounting standards that are favored by the European Union, are converging, so numbers should be more or less, (coughs) how do you say, they should be more or less comparable. And yet that's not the case. There are, (coughs) as of today, material differences to be found if a company would file their accounts under international rule, under US rules, or under some... Whatever national rule, which might be UK gap or Chinese gap <coughs> or Italian gap. So, <coughs> although most people that are investing do not pay attention to this finesse, the results might actually be pretty damning once <coughs> you start to enter into the details and into the fine print of the numbers. However, no one is interested in that, so people just assume that the numbers that are published are correct and that's it. Okay, whatever. (coughs) It's for us accountants to be interested in this kind of stuff. However, we're talking about rules that only refer to numbers, and of course they are conventions, so uh, the accounting result of a company is just uh, an approximation of what the the company is really doing. However it's important (coughs) once you decide to put your money in a company to understand how they make money if they make money. And even this which should be pretty simple at least in theory, it's numbers, it's bookkeeping, there are all these differences in the various standards. When it comes to (coughs) green investing and when it comes to measuring the impact or measuring how green an investment is or how good an investment is, <coughs> the standards are not there. There is no standard. The way of measuring varies so much that you might have uh, some very absurd <coughs> results under which a business maybe be itself as carbon neutral and actually it's not because of course if I for example measure only the carbon emissions that I within the country that I operate and I'm buying product from abroad let's say coffee you know, my carbon emissions <clears throat> were very low if I would have measured the carbon emission only in the country where I was operating but once I put into the picture all the weight of uh, the international supply chain the carbon that gets consumed in producing the coffee that I sell the result might be pretty different Inevitably, not having a standard <clears throat> or a set of standard under which we measure the effective impact, the effective environmental impact of a company, of a project, makes it very difficult to assess whether it is as green as the seller says Essentially, we need to rely on the representation of uh, our uh, investment broker, of the company that is selling the the securities. And that kind of defeats the purpose. Now, I can make an example. Now, imagine, for example, an aviation uh, an airline that says uh, we are carbon neutral because we only use jet fuel coming from renewable sources, meaning from... uh, uh, biodiesel refinery. I mean, at the end of the day, jet fuel is is diesel. Great. How that jet fuel is produced? It's produced using palm oil. And this palm oil is produced by deforesting areas of Indonesia or (coughs) areas of uh, Brazil to plant palm trees. Oops. All of a sudden, this great company that is offsetting its emission and it's using only renewable fuels doesn't look as good as it would look if we would stop at the let's say gas pump where the jet planes are filled. This is just one stupid stupid example but the same could be said for companies that disclose certain objectives in terms of not using slave labor, not using uh, child labor, But then if you like me have traveled a bit and you know a little bit the world, you know how difficult it is in the complex supply chain that underpins the modern fashion world to be sure that in the factories you don't find children that those children have the ability to go to school, etc. there's even people arguing that children should be allowed to work. I think that's absolutely unacceptable. In 2020 children, should not work, period. However, this is not the focus of the, of the episode, however, <coughs> the lack of transparency in the rules to assess the SG investment is an issue. It's an issue because it doesn't allow people to take info, info um, sorry, to take decision with the right set of information to take informed decision. Now there have been a few attempts to develop uh, an appropriate set of standards and one of the attempts I'm going to describe further along this uh, this episode. uh, The major issue with these attempts uh, are uh, essentially two. The first is that uh, when it comes to accounting it's easy. It's about how much money you make. Listen in theory, it's easy, right? Even though even in a company have <clears throat> so many non-monetary items that are difficult to evaluate, like customers, brand, competencies. How do you value the competence of your workforce? It's not per se to be found on the, on the balance sheet of a company. Yet it's there. It's a key success factor for every company. It's, it's human resources. Now, for environmental and social and governance topics, this is even more complicated because how do you assess the positive impact on water waste, on the usage of electricity, on the positive externalities that a certain project can have in a certain community? That becomes a lot more difficult. It's difficult already to agree on what is good and what is bad. So you can imagine how difficult it is to set rules to measure the good or the bad. It's practically impossible. Even in markets that are regulated, like imagine the emission markets, so carbon emission markets, there are some serious questions (coughs) over how reliable is the measurement of CO2 emissions. And that's something that can actually be quite reliably measured, but for example, let's say in the car industry there are carbon credits that are produced by producing electric vehicles and carbon liabilities, so the necessity to buy a carbon credit to offset your emissions for companies that produce internal combustion engines. However, it's quite intuitive that an electric car that is charged (coughs) with electricity produced from fossil fuels it's not that much more <laughs> environmental friendly than a car that just runs on gasoline. I and mean, it is still because there are economies of scales in having a power plant and it's easy to control the emission of one big power plant than to control the emission of a million cars. But still, I mean, as a matter of fact, if your electricity is generated out of coal, you're not sustainable. Period. It's clear that... <clears throat> point should be made so you may need to put a stop on where you measure otherwise it becomes kind of a circular reference however so there are always these kind of issues. So am I saying that there is no way to have rules <coughs> to have rules uh, along this problem of ESG investing or ESG measuring? No, there are. there is possibility to make a rule at least having a standard for how imperfect that might be to compare. So, according to a certain set of standards, you can say that company A is more socially responsible than company B for whatever reason. So (coughs) on this, my point is you always need to take with a pinch of salt these uh, ESG standards if they will become standards. However, having standards for how imperfect is still better than non-having standards. This is a fact. And so now we come to the first set which might become a standard that is being approved or let's say that is being promoted and it's being promoted essentially by the World Economic Forum which is a think tank behind the pre-Covid davos world economic forum meeting and the big four accounting firm the big four being pwc deloitte eny and kpmg now i have to disclose that i worked for big four and i keep a working relationship with one of the big four so my judgment might be seen as uh, uh, let's say overly positive towards the big four that's not the case However, I applaud the mm, commitment of the big four accounting firms to develop a standard for something that is becoming important for the investing community. And it's not only important for the investing community, it's important because by being able to lay bare which company does a better job of being a, a sustainable citizen, allows also to <coughs> for people and eventually even for government to how to reward and how to punish certain behaviors. Now the name of this set of standards is nothing to write home about. Stakeholder Capitalism Metrics Pretty obvious, right? But that's not the problem. The problem is that uh, there are uh, 21 core metrics. 34 supplemental or uh, let's say optional metrics and they cover four potential buckets which is prosperity people planet and governance now you understand that the complexity behind this matrix of of indicators is <clears throat> pretty daunting doesn't look like a very linear way to measure things however again we're not looking at the cash flow, we're looking at a number of metrics that self influence ex- each other and sometimes they might be even conflicting, raising uh, spending for people, let's say, because you buy stoves uh, <coughs> that are uh, fed in with kerosene, which are better than the stoves uh, fed in with wood, uh, as a positive ink- Impact on people, it doesn't have a positive impact on the environment because kerosene is still fairly bad, pollutant, and so on. This is just one example. However, I still think this is good news. It's good news because if the big four throw their muscles into something, you can bet that for good and bad, that thing is going to at least <coughs> become accepted. Why? Because big four essentially audit 90% of the companies listed companies in the world. They have a vested interest because they're for sure going to try to sell this kind of uh, sustainability metrics to companies and companies might have an interest in buying them. But more than anything, the big four, for how malign they are, they ensure a consistent quality quality of standard in the application and in the measurement of the of the indicator themselves that's important because it's easy usually to shoot to the auditor and <clears throat> whenever there is a finance fraud it's like ah yeah the auditor didn't see the auditor didn't do this the, other, the auditor didn't do that and for sure the profession has a few things that needs to put in order however the same way that international financial reporting standards became widely accepted because the big four <clears throat> which are the main sponsor behind the IASB, which is the International Accounting Standard Board so because the big four endorsed and lobbied for this accounting standard which render uh, possible comparing uh, companies around the world for the same reason, the fact that the big four are pushing for one set of standard is indeed good news it's good news because it means that <clears throat> if thing goes according to plan the ESG reporting of Exxon in the US and the ESG reporting of uh, Samsung in Korea and the ESG reporting of Danone in France will be essentially comparable. You might be able to assess who does better according to certain characteristics and who maybe deserve your reward as an investor or who might deserve even a punishment as a bad corporate citizen. Now. What is the real potential issues, issue, or issues behind the application of ESG's, so ESG standards? The the, the issue is always the same, it's political, because controlling the rules might be seen as a good leverage to hammer your competitors into compliance or to increase the clout of certain transnational body. For example, we have the big four trying to lobby for their own set of rules. We have the European Union, which is developing, and I'm always scared when the European Union is developing something, developing its own set of rules. Then we have uh, a few other... Sustainability, green investment, or the Global Reporting Initiative, and task force on climate-related financial disclosure. Um, even the Harvard Business School is trying to do its own uh, its own uh, set of rules. So the risk here is that a complex matter is rendered even more complex by too many rules. And it becomes essentially uh, more of a greenwashing rather than a green reporting. However, however, this is still, uh, I mean the good news I want to look at is the fact that so many people are starting to understand that there is a need for more consistency in the rule of reporting inv- environmental and sustainability goals and environmental and sustainability financial measures and non-financial measures as well. This will force companies to be more more transparent. It will probably add a cost to to do business because inevitably any set of rules and any set of reporting guidelines has a cost connected to it, but it will allow investors to have at least a little bit of clarity, and not to rely on the smoke and mirrors of the coming financial broker or financial institution to decide on where to allocate their savings. So to conclude on the topic, I have to say that I favor the approach taken by the big four because it's a kind of a bottom-up approach, it's business trying to regulate itself which means a little bit less burdensome and more tailored approach to reporting. Whereas, for example, the European Union loves to regulate stuff uh, top-down will probably make a much heavier burden for companies. Sometimes this is inevitable because self-regulation often fails. I mean, this is a fact. However, on this specific topic, I'm already a bit... I feel already a bit uneasy about the fact that there are competing efforts and the, the, the cost which will be put on companies, especially on small businesses, if this is extended past the bigger players. So I hope essentially that the more a more top-down approach is repelled and it's more uh, kind of. Uh, uh, regulatory bodies uh, known for their flexibility and for their reasonableness come together and propose a set of uh, rules which is feasible. From a company standpoint, uh, this will force uh, companies to take ESG into account uh, when, even when talking about shareholder value, because ignoring uh, rules and ignoring the scrutiny that this rule will put on companies is going to destroy value. I mean, we can see it already now, I mean, oil companies have been battered like never before in this year, mostly because of the COVID, but also because there, is, there seems to be this general consensus that they should be punished. However. The silver leaning is that I believe that by setting the right standards, company will be able to focus on a certain set of rules, and that's what company needs, and this will benefit both uh, uh, the investment public, uh, regulators, <coughs> and companies themselves, who will know finally how to structure a proper, sound, and consistent Green reporting. So that's my podcast for today. I will uh, be happy to discuss uh, further this rules with whoever is uh, interested. I'm not I haven't I'm sorry if I didn't go a little bit more in details into the rules, but the rule itself again it's 21 uh, Key indicators plus 34 additional indicators and four buckets of potential impact, so it's a pretty uh, complicated matter to discuss in a podcast. However, please, as usual, feel free to reach out should you want to need. Uh... So, this is everything for uh, today's podcast. Feel free, as usual, to reach out in case you have uh, a more. Uh, detailed question or a more, uh, let's say, a deeper interest towards this topic, which I think is something that will come with time uh, from uh, the Chenergy Coffee is Everything for today. Wish you a great rest of the week and weekend, and stay tuned for more episodes of this podcast. Thank you everybody and have a great afternoon.